We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Friday afternoon. It's July 14th. And while the Wolves do play a final summer league game on Saturday afternoon, I believe, um, I'm back from Vegas and I felt like this was a good time to recap what we saw at Summer League, a little bit of what I heard, uh, specifically to the Summer League Wolves. We want to focus obviously on Leonard Miller, Josh Minot, Wendell Moore Jr., the roster players. Um, who were playing in that game. But quickly before uh, Britt and I get into that, I wanted to explain uh, that this episode, unlike the Chris Finch interview, will not be on YouTube. But YouTube, on a consistent basis, will be coming. Uh, That episode was on YouTube because we had access to the studio, like great cameras and all that stuff. We just wanted to make sure we put that up there as well, partially because we're planning on doing YouTube stuff in the future. But we figured we'd just get that up there, start the channel, uh, have you guys uh, check that out. Shout out to Kyle for making that all happen when we were uh, in Vegas. By training camp, once we really start ramping things up, uh, the hope is that we'll have all these guest episodes on YouTube as well. The same, basically doing the exact same thing when me and Britt or Jace or Chris are talking. But you can look at our faces if you're <laughs> if you're into uh, that sort of thing. But one thing that will help us out. Uh, in you know some of those logistics of making it happen would be if you would go to the YouTube page. Uh, you can do that by searching just the Dane Moore NBA podcast. Just like search my name. Uh, that will come up. If you could hit subscribe, um, that helps transparently. Hitting subscribe, which doesn't cost any money, it's not that type of subscription. Uh, it's just important for us, as Kyle has told me, uh, <laughs> to kind of have us grow in YouTube's algorithm so it it pops up there and then again, transparently to help us eventually monetize the uh, video work that we're going to do just so the normal YouTube advertisements pop up. Um, We need subscribers uh, to be able to do that. Nothing crazy. Um, If you're listening, you know, right now, presumably you like the pod. So hitting subscribe will help you see the show populate um, on your own YouTube account as well. And I think it'll be cool to I'm looking forward to learning that and being able to do some things like visually, uh, maybe breaking down plays and stuff like that uh, next season that obviously we can't do when it's uh, just on YouTube. So again, 
just uh, go to YouTube, hit subscribe on that and watch the Chris Finch interview. I thought he was he was great in that. Um, but yes, please, YouTube, subscribe. Uh, we think it will help us and help you enjoy uh, our Wolves content here for next season. End of YouTube rant. Britt, did that make you fall asleep? No, no, it was fine. I agree. I thought, you know, Finch Finch just got to be one of the best yeah. coaching interviews. I mean, the guy, uh, you know, almost leads you into the next question when you <laughs> totally. talk to him. I mean, having done, you know, two long ones, uh, one at Vegas two years ago and one, you know, last September. I'm going to do another one this September. Um, but I always come away, you know, you're always thinking, I uh, hope the tape recorder is on. You know, I mean, <laughs> just, you know, you don't want to lose anything. And and I thought you did a really good job. I thought that uh, it, it felt like it was a three-part uh, mm-hmm. series. I thought it was about the, the how the bigs get managed in number one and Ant and his maturity in number two. And then kind of, well, I mean, and, and then there was the rest of the roster and then a brief summer league thing to wrap mm-hmm. it up. So uh, anyway, I thought it was really good uh, as somebody who really enjoys talking to Finch. Um, I, I expected it to be good. I thought you did a really good job and uh, I, I recommend people see it. It's, it's a really good snapshot of what he is thinking about and um and basically how he thinks in general about the game, which is which is what makes him both a good coach and a fascinating interview. Yeah, right. He kind of he speaks the way he kind of thinks, like not definitively, like this is right. kind of what I'm thinking, but we're going to figure it out. I mean, you and I having talked right. to him a lot over the course of the year, it's it's different than other coaches I've covered. Or I'm sure the many coaches you've covered of a lot of. A lot of them are much more like definitive or protective. He seems a little bit more transparent um, in his speaking, which I think is the actual way. Like, that's what coaching is, is you come into a season or even a game, right, with a plan, and you're often forced to adjust that or kind of change it on the fly. I think he talks about coaching that way, where most coaches are like X, Y, and Z. This is what we're doing. I think it makes for um, a great... Yeah, he's and he's also not political, and uh, you know, I mean, I, or he's he's smart enough to affect not being political while mm-hmm. he's quietly political. Yes, in terms of how to protect the egos and reputations and overall chemistry tenor of a locker room, I think a lot of coaches worry about stepping in it somehow, mm-hmm. and I think he has done. He's done his work early with his players, and his players know him. And yeah. uh, he's confident that whatever he says uh, won't blindside or ambush his players. And uh, I just think, you know, I don't think he talks uh, about anything publicly that he hasn't talked to them about. You know, right. even just from like other interviews, when he drops us a little nugget in post game or right. something like that, um, he's not a deliver messages through the media type of coach. He shares right. maybe some messages that he's previously uh, delivered, which I think that's a pretty smart way uh, to go about it. And he's also very transparent. I mean, he he said during your interview that he coaches and harder than anybody coaches anyone on the team. Mm-hmm. But that is blatantly obvious to us, right? When we, when we see, I mean, the 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 praise he provides Ant during the course of the pre and post game uh, press conferences. 
pales uh, in comparison to the praise he bestows on most other people. Mm -hmm. And um, and yet there's no doubt, you know, how he feels about Ant. It's just, it's, it's fun to be able to, you know, we've had coaches like Ryan shared a lot, but was frankly a little out of his depth um, when he was here. Tibbs shared almost nothing. And, uh, you know, and when he did, it was, uh, it was turgid. It was grudging. It was, uh, you know, I mean, uh, anyway, and, and, you know, Sam Mitchell, this, you know, and Flip basically was a great, great talker and somebody who educated me about the game. NBA coaches are, I, I much rather talk to NBA coaches than any other sports coaches. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've done a lot of other sports in my long career and football coaches are usually pretty terrible <laughs> and uh, baseball coaches come and go. Baseball coaches are the kind of people, partly because it's a day-to-day -day thing, I think, but right. they're, they, they will far more likely to tell you things off the record than on the record. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Vince is kind of a good balance of both of that. And I think understands that we can't, we have a job to do too, as the cliche goes, sure. and I kind of know us how to navigate that. Um, but yeah, let's jump into some of what we saw uh, in these summer league games. Again, the three roster players uh, playing it in those games were Miller, Minot, and Moore Jr. Um, Leonard Miller, let's start there. That was our uh, first look at him, you know, in more of an NBA context. I have a couple things written down that popped to me, but uh, what what was your initial take of, you know, watching a full game of Leonard Miller playing? What popped to you? Very subtle things. Mm. Uh, the fact that he understands his place in the overall context of the game, uh, which at 19 is remarkable. Uh, I, I assume a lot of that is because he spent a year among adults. Yep. But, um, Everybody knows how big of a fan of Minot I am. Anybody listens anyway. I, I am a huge Minot fan. But Miller was more impressive than Minot in this summer league. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that Minot was straining to prove things. Yeah. And Miller was learning the game. And if, if, if Minot would adopt that, I've got the skills. I'm in the right place on this team. They, you know, they're going to need people like me a year or two or three down the line. Um, but I think that he's impatient. And I think that right now, uh, how many times did we see bankers on drives that didn't right. get the rim because they were too hard? Um, From my so anyway, Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and the difference here. Not that Miller is perfect by any means. There are a lot of things wrong with what Miller did, but uh, I am impressed. Miller gets results that are better than the eye test. His handle is not very good, and his jumper looks really, really awkward. And yet the jumper goes in more than you'd expect, and the handle sustains. He does commit you know, a lot of turnovers, but he's not going to be being that ball handler nearly mm -hmm. as much you know, in the NBA, and he's going to have a lot better enablers around him. This this uh, G League team 
was very, very short on two things that are kind of necessary, three-point shooters and yeah. play creators. Uh, and that was to the detriment of both Minot and and Miller, who had enough rope to hang themselves uh, many times by, you know, they had free reign and, and abused it. Um, but in general, really impressed with Miller's uh, dog attitude. Uh, he doesn't, he likes contact. He likes mixing it up uh, after watching Ant and come through and to, you know, a lesser extent, you know, some of these other guys, McDaniels. I mean, neither Ant nor, nor McDaniels really like contact for different reasons, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Ant is really strong. I wish he would seek out contact more when he drives. And McDaniels just, we've spoken over this many times, his, his defensive style is space and then collapse when it matters at that key moment rather than in somebody's face. Um, Miller is a contact guy. He wants to be putting bodies on people. And again, at 19, that's really cool because he's going to be better at it when he's bigger and stronger, which is inevitably coming. Um, I do think his fundamentals, I don't know if it ain't broke, don't fix it or fix it now before it gets too much more established. Uh, He's a shield dribbler off the uh, in transition, which prevents vision up the court. Yeah, but like when the, he the is right fa- hand in front, left hand dribble thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, uh, he can't see like half the court that way, but he gets, it's not a turnover machine that way. When he turns and is up in the half court enough to survey the whole court, he does have good court vision and he is occasionally a very good passer, occasionally... Mm-hmm. Uh, not as good as he thinks he is. Uh, and as I mentioned, I think his, his shot is, it kind of reminds me of Nikhil Alexander-Walker in terms of the fact you just wonder how it goes in, you know. Uh, it's really funky. Um, but I have began to understand when we did a podcast uh, right after the draft and we had both looked at like YouTube for the previous evening or whatever, mm-hmm. I was a lot more down on Miller because um, I I did see him forcing things a little bit, but you know why? Because they were highlights. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and, and he's not a uh, yeah. You know, he's not a guy that generally does that a lot. You know, mm-hmm. he 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 has he lets the game come to him, and so once I saw the broader context of you know him just playing playing where he isn't the main attraction and you see how he plays in a team defensive concept, how he's a middle guy in a passing rotation, how he is a guy who gets back and in transition and gets assignments or moves or helps on defense. Um, You see that this is a guy who um, is going through his checkpoints in kind of a sane, uh, efficient manner. And, that's a that's a skill that is a product of experience usually, right. and the fact that he's ahead of that curve, I thought was uh, impressive. Yeah, I, I thought the physical force in which he played with and the passing ability were good to see in person. Um, just sometimes that that passing stuff is just like, particularly with a big, is like inherent. You got it or you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and while yeah, too many turnovers. 
some of that sort of stuff. But you could see at the times, like when he was kind of in like the 16 foot range, like making a one handed left handed pass to a diving Josh Minot or stuff like that. Some interior passing skills, particularly for a big to have some of that is is a good signal. Now, you talked about like the checkpoints on on his progression of you know thinking the, the game through. It's like checkpoints are like developing in the middle of the play, like as the play transpires, like he is literally you you watch him play or I watch him play and I'm watching him learn, which is to say he's raw, you know, intellectually, I guess, right. in the game too. But at the same time, you can kind of you can envision what that looks like in in two or three years if he does develop some like downhill force and a second big needs to rotate over like I could see him you know I mean in the context of the wolves right like if the big if he drew in Rudy's big or something he could make some of those drop-off passes that we saw Kyle Anderson and Carl Anthony Towns make to Rudy those that that skill set isn't super important in the broader NBA it is pretty important within a two big context so that that lit off a, a light bulb for me. And then just the general force at 19 years old, like he is going to be physically imposing. And if and when he does crack a rotation, um, that's going to kind of be all he's asked to do. Dive from the corner, present himself from the dunker spot, grab rebounds, go back up and finish them. And from a physical standpoint, he can do that right away. And it's why I keep I keep saying this, you know, talking to some people, at summer league, particularly people like I talked to Vicini, who obviously loves him, right? And right. and when these people, granted, who have a much more expansive uh, vision of their game than I do, they really see the oh you no, know, he can be a forward, and he's going to do some of those more passing things, and over time, it's going to develop. Me, someone who's only seen him in person a few times or watched you know a handful of clips, I go to initially what I would do is use him as like a five. And like a kind of like Mando five. Right. right and then try right. to expand off of that. Um, but that isn't to say he can't do the things that Bassini or the, transparently this front office thinks he can do. So it's, long as it's a four. Yeah. He's not a three. And if they if they use him at the three, I'm just going to laugh out loud. Because <laughs> it's just, you know, I mean, come on. You right. Know? Um, He's also uh, big as hell, man. Like. I, right. I keep saying this. He's New Orleans Noel size. Like, remember that. Like, he is, right. that is the, the like, measurements wise, that's what New Orleans Noel came out as. So, right. it would be crazy if that develops into a three. Like, that doesn't happen well, uh, very yeah. often. I mean, but again, know. his handle and his passing are good for a four. Mm -hmm. um, and I would even say his passing could be serviceable for a three. Um, but unless he's a catch-and-shoot shooter, his handle is not good enough to play the wing. Mm -hmm. It just isn't. Yeah. Uh, he's a shielder when he dribbles. I, you know, I don't mm -hmm. want to overemphasize that. But at the same time, somebody who shields the dribble from the defender is somebody who is giving away half of his potential moves. It just is the way it works. It's east-west versus north-south. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and that is a wise thing for him to do because he's not a wing, uh, you know, and he can transport the ball safely most of the time over a fairly large distance doing what he does. But if you're saying as a result of the fact that he can do that, yeah. that he can translate into a wing player, 
I'm just laughing because, you know, I mean, this is the NBA. NBA wings? Come on. Right. Well, so much of what is going to define his any bit of positional versatility is going to be his ability to make open shots. Let's grab a break. I want to talk a little bit about the jump shot. Then let's get into Minot and more a little bit. Back with Britt in a minute. Today's show is brought to you by The Genesis Company. And if you're an entrepreneur, business owner, brand manager, or anything in between, it's tough out there. A thousand problems a day and nothing is easy anymore. We all need help. And that's why The Genesis Company is here to offer you a free hour of consulting. They guarantee they can help you solve any business-related issue you have because they've helped literally hundreds of others do the same. That's why The Genesis Company exists. And they're happy to do it for free because life as a Timberwolves fan is hard enough. Just email grow at the Genesis company.com with an overview of your issue and they'll schedule time to fix it. That's grow at symbol the Genesis company.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Hyacinth Restaurant, and summer in the NBA means the off season, but summer is also absolutely the season at Hyacinth Restaurant in St. Paul. The team at Hyacinth is working tirelessly to bring you the most delicious, vibrant food the state of Minnesota has to offer. The chefs They're hitting all the metro farmers markets and partnering with local farms so you know you're getting the freshest, most in-season products that you can get your hands on. I've been to Hyacinth a bunch of times for special occasions or just the casual impromptu meal, and I think they excel at both. I love getting the staple menu items, the Bucatini Casio e Pepe I've loved there, and uh, I've gone with Kyle a couple times. His favorite is the chicken parm, but they do surprise me every time with an array of seasonal dishes that I didn't get on my last visit. And I think that's the best thing about Hyacinth. I get I get the comfort of a reliable standby and the feeling of discuss, discovery all in the same meal. So make a reservation on their website, hyacinthstpaul.com, to select a seat at a table, the bar, or the summer-only sidewalk patio. That's Hyacinth Restaurant on Grand Avenue in St. Paul. All right, back with Britt Robson. Britt, the, I mean, whether it was in warmups, you know, as we do, you're there early and you're watching, like the thing I was obviously trying to hone in and focus on in on in person up close was what does this Leonard Miller shot look like um, in person? Because you just watch film, even highlights um, of him at G League Ignite. And it's like mechanically, if it works, it's going to kind of be, a, it looks like it's going to be a Jaron Jackson Jr. type miracle, right? Where you're like, wow, that does not look like a 39% shooter, but it went in 39% of the time. I mean, mechanically, um, it's funky, but at the end point, it's solid, right? The upper body part of it, the consistency of that left-handed aim, I thought that that was on point. Like, if you just looked at him from the belly button up, you're like, okay, like, that looks like a, a four or five shooting threes with, you know, somewhat consistent the, aim. I would say the delayed release makes it really blockable. Again, what? but isn't that what Jackson Jr.'s looks like? <laughs> the kind of like leaning forward dino shove type thing? Yeah, I know. I know. His isn't leaning forward, though. I mean, I think part of it, he stays up in the air by spreading his legs, which will get yeah. him a few offensive fouls with that <laughs> kick out. Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, the 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 like, uh, look, yeah, you can't argue lead. with the results. You you are right in the fact that um, all of the shots look funky. It isn't like he's changing his style, so that is in his favor. He has a repeatable shot. 
And so you got to give him that. Yeah. I think that repeatable shot, um, and also I will give him credit for this, he does not try to, um, he knows he needs space to shoot. Mm -hmm. He turned down a lot of shots. Good. That uh, exactly great. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. That's what I mean about context is I, I think he understands his role in the game and what he can and can't do under the circumstances. And that also helps the shot mm -hmm. because like I said, I do think if somebody is on him, even somebody an inch or two shorter than him, right. if that's a blockable shot, I right. think, but on the other hand, I don't recall it being blocked in summer league yet. And so, uh, you know, and, and, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that, he waited for space. Mm -hmm. He has a decent step back. Um, I just, you know, you're the you're the guy that always harps on mechanics, and I'm the guy that kind of poo poos it. I think his mechanics are are ugly, but um, on the other hand, you know, you know what they are to me, Britt. They're uh, the mechanics get worse with distance. Uh, remember that that's true. He has that strain on, on the three pointer mm -hmm. that he doesn't have on the mid range. Right. He had that uh, in the Hawks game in the second quarter, he had like a 14 foot kind of post up square and shot it. But you I know, it, it was, it was cool. Yeah. It, it, it was clean and it was clean. I mean, that's not like, yeah, you're only taking that shot at, with any sort of consistency. Right. If it's late in the shot clock or you're the second best player on your team or something right, like right, that right. but point being that looked clean to me you look at right. him I, I don't know how many he took from the corner in games uh in summer league play but i watched him i shoot. didn't see many I, I don't think he did i've been meaning to just go back and go through his shots i haven't done that yet but um watching him shoot in warm-ups the like you know cha-cha slide stuff he's doing with his footwork is not right. as apparent from the corner as it is from above the break. And that's a distance-based mechanics thing. And sure. and early on when he plays, again, my belief is he's going to be more of a five, a small ball five, four and a half Vando type thing where the spacing will predominantly come from the corner. And that's a shorter shot. And I think his mechanics will able, be able to be more, more consistent in doing that. It's not that he doesn't have strength. Where I was like, Oh, it's it's a lower body strength issue to shoot it further. It's it's using the lower body strength. I mean, the kid's a sturdy, sturdy. It's it's not a it's not a lacking leg strength. It's functionally using that leg strength to shoot a twenty three footer versus a twenty footer. And it's remaining. It's retaining the repeatability of the yeah. shot, which mm -hmm. is what I was talking about. I mean, right. the reason he, you know, most people, if the range is a little bit too far for them. Their release point is earlier. They're using the momentum of the jump mm -hmm. to increase the length. Yeah. Even at three, he's basically shooting it while he's in the air. Right. Uh, and I think that's where the strain is a little bit. But again, I think this is not stupid. I think this is smart. He believes the repeatability of his stroke right. is worth is a is a good trade-off having it be a little strained compared to messing with the repeatability factor. Yep. And uh, he may be right about that. That what it comes down to again though is um is the repeatability viable in an NBA context. And and what you're saying I think is is salient in that 
He was not going to have to use it very often. Mm-hmm. Where I do think he will use it is he's good at chasing down loose balls and he's good at um, being involved in the mix of mm-hmm. things. Like he's probably good at high pick and rolls. We didn't see a lot of it because he was much more of the yeah. force on mm-hmm. offense. But I could see him being a guy who gets left on a high pick and roll For and sure. gets a kickback. A kickback. That's where he'll get his mid-range and long-range shots, as Vando did, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and and he's probably more likely to hit them than Vando was when Vando played in Minnesota. So, again, we're talking about the 33rd pick in the draft uh, uh, and 19-year-old kid. Um, and we're talking about him like he's a first-rounder because I think that's generally the what view. his level is. Yeah. If you watched him, you, you hear all these people. There's a lot of very... You know, the more I've, you know, acquainted myself now that we know who's going where and how they're getting there, et cetera, uh, I've got context for the draft. More people than not thought he would be a first rounder. Agreed. Um, And so um, kudos, you know, to Tim Connolly um, for trading two seconds to get that slot and have it be a second round slot and two, not for nothing, you know. So, you know, it's uh it I would have to say that um my expectation for Leonard Miller versus what I saw was he exceeded my expectations. Mm-hmm. Um let's transition over uh to, to Josh Minot and I guess start by relating that to the shot because I think this is related to Leonard Miller. Um I, Josh Minot did not make a lot of jump shots in in the summer league play. But I think what we saw, which you and I have been hinting at just from seeing in like practice and stuff, he has honed that mechanics on his shot. Some, um, it's still kind of got a little bit of a funky fling to it, but it's a less all over the place fling. That's something they've been working with, with him for the past 12 months, just like it will be something they will work with, with Leonard Miller to not completely rework the shot, but hammering home, a consistency of mechanics. I talked to Josh about that a little bit. He he said that that you know that's something they've been doing with him since day one. Which point being, that's something they will continue to do with him and will do with um, Leonard Miller. Watching Josh play, um, I think in in this summer league context and relating it to the NBA context is, I don't think offensively he's going to have much of a perimeter orientation on the team they want which makes sense his value the thing that sticks out about him is his value as a cutter his value that's i mean his second jump is insane um and sometimes he's he gets, gonna be a beast in transition exactly it but in in the half court um right you know you want to see more so of that much. wiggle in the drive he had a nice little euro finish last night but uh-huh. he had about eight that you said before where he drove and he just was aiming for the right corner of the square and he didn't hit it, you know, and it, it missed the rim completely. His banker, his running banker mm-hmm. was, was gym level. I mean, it was uh, what you see some guy who plays once a week do mm-hmm. when he's got somebody really good on him. Yeah. Uh, he, either he shot, he thought the shot was going to be blocked or he's just, I can count at least a half a dozen times in my memory yeah. Of bankers that didn't even hit the front of the rim, they went off the backboard so hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's 
they only played four games. Uh, right. You know, I mean, that's that's terrible. Um, and and so he has to stop doing that. And um, and and Brett, how he does that is switching in his brain when he's going off the dribble from transition mode into half court mode, which is slowing yourself right. down, slowing yourself down with the euro, right? And that's something last season they worked with, and we really saw Jaden McDaniels do more of. I know from having talked to them, they showed Jaden a ton of Kyle Anderson clips about how and when to slow yourself down in the half court, not letting go of that speed and athleticism you have when you don't have adversity to get to the basket. But when you do and multiple bodies are in your way and you're going to the basket, you got to slow down and and then use your athleticism vertically rather than, you know, in terms of speed. I think that will be something with Minot that he clearly needs and that they will work with. Him. And, and again, last night saw a great slowed down Euro where he finished right at the rim through two guys like that to me signals he's working on those things and growing in those things. But more broadly, when I watched him play, um, I leave that being like that is not a rotation player game one um, for this team, Josh Minot. And there's obviously going to be greater opportunity for him uh, within this roster at the three without Torian Prince in the mix. I think it's clear now that they are aiming to play him more as a three. They had Minot guarding Dyson Daniels in the first game, Keontae George against Utah guards, right? Like the point guard, the point of attack defender. He was playing the Jaden McDaniels role defensively. And that is, you know, he was kind of, we hadn't seen much of him. We're like, all right, like, what is this? Is this like a four dunker spot guy, you know, weak side rim protector sort of dude, or is he a wing defender? And they are clearly aiming or clearly aimed in summer league towards making him more of a perimeter um, defender, which makes sense within the context of this roster. And if he can do it, you know, even 60% of the way that Jaden can, we know at six, nine with a seven foot wingspan, how that can be a problem for, for guys going against them, particularly if they're six, four, six, five. Um, that's what I'm most excited to see him do this season. And I'm assuming that's the role in which they will put him out there. Kind of like that one game where they started Wendell Moore to guard John Morant. Like some sort of injury happens in the first month of the season, a spot becomes made available um, on the, <coughs> excuse me, on the wing, and Minot checks in to play defense, kind of like Nikhil did, right? Like I think that is his initial like runway into the rotation. I don't think he starts in the rotation though. Uh, I was a lot more confident. In him being a rotation player before summer league than That's I am what I'm now. Saying. Yeah. Um, I tell you where I think he could be very effective is against bad teams. I like which that. The Wolves, which the Wolves struggled with a lot. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with the fact of staying alert, being opportunistic when your opponent makes a mistake, being able to know when your opponent doesn't have the goods to get past you. And and using your length and your aggressiveness. Um, there were times, remember, the second unit two years ago when they would just come and pounce on people and they because it was the second unit yeah. and they weren't as good as like the J-Mac Nas 
you know, they had a crew there that was, you know, TP. They were they were hounds, mm -hmm. and uh, Minot is a hound, and um, he's really lanky, and he's great in transition. He loves the rim. Uh, he's got all kinds of. He very rarely miscalculates uh, in transition when to. Um, you know, break on people, when to give up the ball, when to go all the way with it. Um, and I think if you have a team that's susceptible to turnovers and susceptible to um, underestimating NBA caliber ball and Minot is out there, he will feast. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's kind of where I'd like to see him. Um, it's a good place you know, to start. Yeah, and, and I, I think that, especially given the fact that this team needed energy against bad teams last year that they weren't getting yeah. from the people they were putting out there. Um, also, I do think that, um, I, I mentioned this prior, but I do think he has a habit of being in the right place at the right time in chaos. Yeah. And, um, and the Wolves... I like them best when they're chaotic. I know that that's not the template of the team when they're at their best, but I I do want to have that. It might be for the second unit, though. Exactly, and that's um, that's where he could be if he's a ninth man and he's part of a chaos crew. Um, while he develops all the things you're talking about, I would love it if he could euro through two guys in the NBA. Um, I'm not sure that's going to happen. But I also think physically he can I, though, man. Like he he has the bounce and the size. Like again, he would they would need to rep that right. out a lot. Like right. I think at some point in his career, that is going to probably be the offensive thing he does best outside of just catching cutting catching on cuts and dunking. Like that's his yeah, offensive. That's what upside. I would do. I to be honest with you. Cutting and dunking is 75% of his offense, right. and the other 25% is transition mm -hmm. if I have him. I, you know, I want him to be like Vando when Vando was here in terms of his shot selection. Right. Uh, you know, um, I just got to, you know, criticizing, um, you know, Leonard uh, jumper, and I don't, I think his jumper is probably as bad, even though the mechanics look smoother. I agree. Yeah, I mean, you saw sometimes it would splash right. In the, I mean, wouldn't touch the rim, mm -hmm. and then the next three would barely hit the rim, if at all. You know, I mean, it's the kind of thing where it's so clearly a skill in transition for him right now that you really can't bank on whichever mm -hmm. way it's going. You can't say he's going to be a bust at it, but you can't say he's going to get to be even an acceptable shooter. I don't think. Yeah, uh, it, for both of them, man, it just starts with can you make the wide open ones or like somebody's closing out, but you have your time to do your catch and shoot motion like you do in the gym. And again, last night uh, right. in, in the game he played, he hit one on the right side above the break and he has that fling shot, right? right. But if you finish a fling shot, as he did on that one, it's like an arrow, right? It you know, it's it's not the smooth mechanic you would dream of, but I, I see that and I see him do again in warm-ups, I see him doing that more often, which to me signals he's only going to be a catch and shoot guy, but that he might be able to be able 
to to do that. And and again, what is it going to be like one a game or something like that? It's right. not it's not going to need the to be variability involved. of his results. Yeah, on those shots is very concerning. It's wild. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, Miller when Miller misses, it's around the rim. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean, it's it's off the back of the rim, it's in front of the rim, but it's not like over everything. Right. You know, a couple of times he was woefully short. I remember on, but not you know generally. And again. Now that I've you know ripped my knot three different ways, I've got to say I still think um, he's going to be a beast in certain situations yep. right now, and I think he's going to get better. What I don't know about him is I don't know yet how coachable he is. Uh, I I sense a reluctance on the part of the coaching staff to give him full reign to do things out there. And I sense his frustration at that. You know what I will say, Britt? This is just random anecdote. Like when I I was waiting to interview Leonard Miller after the Atlanta game, um, Finch and him were talking for like good eight minutes and Finch is kind of doing his thing where he like claps and like gets in a stance. You know, you've seen that before. And I will say Josh was locked in. On, right. on listening to that. And again, random anecdote, whatever. I took that, the logged it in my mind of what I had kind of been gleaning over the course of the week, which is like, Josh is more locked in. Like, and he knows that he is going to get an opportunity at some point this season. I think he's understandably as a 19, 20 year old, frustrated he didn't get more of that um, in his first year, frustrated he dropped in the draft the way he did. But I don't know. I just put that in my head a, of like also with just all his other body language on the floor, like I'm here and I'm, I'm focused. It was significantly less. And even just in interviews, the jovial kind of right. lawnmower kid, you know, like it's, right, right. um, I, I don't know that that's random, but I, I, I'm glad you brought up the coachable part because that's just the case for any, anybody in the league, 20 years old, 30 years old. If you're right. a ninth man, what is probably going to be the difference about you getting in the rotation or not is your willingness to work on and do exactly what that coach is asking you to do. I think right. he is more in more receptive to that or understanding or that's been communicated to him that that's the that's the pathway in. So I, I don't like I don't summer league didn't like wildly change my opinion on him of like, OK, let's go. He needs to be in the like rotation day right. one but it also didn't take away from any of the positives i felt going into it either which are the things you're talking about is how we can envision him being a force in transition on the glass the second jump athleticism like i did i'm not and lowering any he of can that. guard on ball i think he can that's kind of new to ball. me that's new that's new i wasn't a believer in that before i i'm like yeah. okay I, I think what is really helpful is that if he's around good defenders, he'll take care of his own. Yeah. Uh, I still don't know. We haven't seen him on the floor enough with personnel he knows. Mm. I mean, that's the thing about all those Iowa Wolves coming up together is they played with, with people they knew. Good point. And so you could tell already. And I didn't see enough of Josh down there. I don't know who his main buds were. Like, I didn't see him out there with... Uh, Ryan, Matt Ryan much, you know, but I would imagine, or maybe Nate nine, I did actually see him with Nate nine and they did seem to have a little chemistry, but, um, 
I think that he could be, if not an elite defender, an above average defender um, very soon. I think he can be a important chaos ambusher. And I think he can be somebody who um, provides contagious energy in a manner that isn't chicken with your head cut off necessarily. Um, And again, this is a second round pick that um, hasn't gotten a lot of burn, but I think that I, I, he will, because of injuries, he will get time in the rotation. And if he plays against the right opponents and is used right in rotations, I think we're going to be talking about him for a week or two yep. at various points during the season as, hey, you know, we got Josh Minot on this team and he's he's really playing well. I I would I would co-sign all that too. There's going to be Josh Minot week, uh, 100%, right. at least in opportunity. But I would also kind of imagine in effectiveness in that that he will that he'll pop there as well. Grab another break. Let's uh, let's get to Wendell Moore Jr. Today's show is brought to you by Falling Knife Brewing Company, and we wanted to let you know that Rectangle Pizza is now stationed at Falling Knife every Wednesday through Sunday from 5 to 8 p.m. So if you're heading to Falling Knife for a late week happy hour or a weekend get-together, they now not only have top-tier beer for you to drink on the patio, but also have great pizza for sale. Like I've said before, Falling Knife has some of my favorite beers. I keep the Verbal Tip Hazy in my fridge to drink on the patio all summer. And the tap room and patio at Falling Knife is a place I will also be going frequently with the Wolves season and Summer League finally coming to a close. So if you are looking for a patio this summer and a great pizza option, check out Falling Knife Brewing Company and their partnership with Rectangle Pizza in Northeast Minneapolis. Again, that's Falling Knife Brewing Company, Northeast Minneapolis. Today's episode is brought to you by 20 by 20 Solutions, a Minneapolis-based technology consulting company that works with your business to help you build and sustain success. A great front office puts together a winning team with a coach who can put together a winning strategy. When leadership does its job and it all comes together, that means success. Success in business isn't any different. Business leaders need to find the right mix of technology, strategy, and talent to make things really work. And that's never been truer for growing companies. 20 by 20's team has helped grow companies from thousands of customers to tens of millions by helping businesses across a wide range of industries, from consumer technology and healthcare to manufacturing and even human spaceflight. Reach out to Clark and Ben, who are Wolves fans and fans of this show, by emailing them at team at 20 by 20 solutions.com. That's T E A M at 20x20 solutions.com. And their team will review your needs and help you put together a plan before you need to make any commitments. 20 by 20 solutions, technology, workflow, architecture, strategy. They're your sixth man on a winning team. All right, back with uh, Britt Robson. Britt, uh, the... There won't be one no more week, by the way. <laughs> can lead with that. I, I, I know I know that is going to be uh, the tenor of, of the Wendell Moore um, conversation. And I'm just going to start it with the brief bit of positivity that I can take out of it, uh, because broadly it was a very disappointing overall affair from from Wendell. But last night, as I was watching that game, I, I came I came really to some of the ex- 
agreeing with some of the excuse that I think it is a terrible environment for Wendell Moore Jr. Summer League. He doesn't want to take half open shots. That's what Summer League is all about on the perimeter. He doesn't want to take guys off the dribble and get all the way to the basket. He wants to get, he's the type of player who wants to get a step on his guy, engage a second defender, and then kick out to the open shooter. And like you said earlier, that ain't happening in Summer League, particularly on this Iowa Wolves team that did not have surrounding shooters. It was a terrible context for Wendell Moore's game to play in. That and he said, was horrible in the Summer League last year, it, too. I, uh, I mean, it isn't, you're right, it's not a, uh, um, I, I agree with you, it's not a good context. And I should let you finish your point, but I do want to interject yeah. that nobody prevented him from throwing the ball over people's heads that three was, times in the game. And, I mean, you know, just... He, I mean, that was an excusable... to be a facilitator. Total. Exactly, exactly. No, no, That that's the thing. It's like, even if we give him the out of... You know, summer league isn't for you and for your game, which I think everybody who's like decently plugged into what his game is and isn't would right. kind of understand that. He's a high floor, low ceiling player. Exactly, which is again not the right. not what pops in in right. summer league. That said, what he should in theory be uh, in the context of this roster or just the context of his own game is a secondary facilitator who is the guy who doesn't need to take half open shots or isn't is the guy who just needs to take one or two dribbles and engage the second defender. He doesn't look good at doing that either. And that's that's concerning because the facilitation and the turnovers that came out of that, whether they were a product of lacking confidence or not, are still major red flags in in his overall progression now a year plus into his NBA career after having played three years of of college basketball. I would have at least liked to see consistency in the shot mechanics. I don't know if that was about confidence. The first game was terrible and the mechanic I mean started over seven I think from three and the mechanics on all seven shots might have been different. I don't think that's really who he is as a shooter. But it's who he was in that game, and the majority of what we've seen him do has been that it a uh, a shooter, or when he shoots, a shooter that lacks that lacks confidence. It's a it's a bummer because I think of all the other second window timeline guys who portend to be you know higher upside athletic swings. Wendell is the guy who isn't that. He is supposed to be the high floor, low ceiling guy guy. who's supposed to give you consistency. And he's not doing that, which, you know, I think has people wondering about his long-term future with this team and maybe a summer league. We're not wondering anymore. Exactly. So it's, I mean, we, we gotta, we gotta say it is what it is. And it was another bad summer league performance um, from Wendell Moore Jr. I just think what I take from it is that, there, it, he isn't going to be more than that secondary facilitator. If it works, it is going to be in a context next to an Anthony Edwards or next to a Shake Milton where you have small handling duties and making and making the right decision. That's going to be the best role for him. And frankly, in training camp and in preseason, he's going to need to show a lot of that, I would imagine, to even be scratching the fringe of of the rotation of of this team um and that you know i'm not ruling that out either i'd like to see him in better context and maybe play better uh in that sort of way and earn that 
But as we sit here on July 14th, it's uh, it's hard to picture. I think that if Minot and Moore's draft slots were flipped, yep. Moore would already be ticketed for Iowa. Um, the fact that he's on a rookie scale deal and they've got to make decisions um, plays a role here. Mm-hmm. I also think that they, the very idea that they said, we want to see you facilitate during the summer league was a plan B because plan A didn't work last year um, in terms of him being somebody who could do a little bit of everything. Um, I think that they're seeing that whether it's his temperament or his skill level, um, he can't do a little bit of everything. Uh, It's, it's a little short of a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know whether that um, it was, what what the ride was obviously he was hurt in the middle two games um but the the he came on his best moments for like toward the very end of the last game we saw him yeah. and that's like when all right he's he's fr- pretty much decided his summer league verdict mm-hmm. and now that you know that's off the table and he's just playing i mean i think he's got some issues with pressure right now on him i don't think he handled it well um, which isn't a good sign. I think if I were to predict now, um, I would say that he's going to wind up being a solid rotation player in a G League or or overseas type situation. I think that's his role as a basketball player moving forward. Um, I just don't see him in an NBA context because – he doesn't have a splashy skill. Right. His be- his best skill is stepping in to a role that is predefined and that he has already watched enough games and has enough awareness mm-hmm. to know he-, he doesn't have to be taught the role. He can be thrown into a role and perform that role, provided it is just something as simple as guarding John Moran as best you can, right. you know? And um, yeah, that's the career highlight right now. I don't think that's enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I just think that um, if Tim Conley would didn't draft as well, uh, maybe it would be. It's ironic sure. that um, of of the five guys that Tim Conley has picked in his two drafts here, Wendell Moore is clearly the outlier mm-hmm. in terms of being much less than his draft slot, mm-hmm. and. Um, and again, how does a high floor, low ceiling guy get appreciably better? Right. It has to be mentally, but again, I think that composure uh, was one of his calling cards when he came here. He, he performed like three different roles for three different Duke teams. And so you think, all right, this guy is intellectually versatile and can do a lot of different things, not at a, you know, a starter level NBA, but he could be like a, 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 a second 
tier Swiss Army knife off the bench. Right. Well, you know that that's just not. I don't see it. You know, I mean, it just isn't there yet. I, I think, um, you know, and I, I think a lot of the fan base was was disappointed about it too. And knowing there's this whole cap crunch coming, I think there's some people thinking he might be on the Jarrett Culver pathway out where in, in your rookie scale contract, your three and four are team options. If you want to pick that up, the Wolves didn't do that with Jarrett Culver. And I think some people are like, okay, that maybe that's where Wendell is headed. And I, I think one important piece of context in that is that Culver's option on those salaries was significantly higher because he was the sixth right. pick versus Wendell was the 26th pick. Like they, by this Halloween, they need to make a decision on his contract for the following season, 24, 25. And that's for two and a half million dollars, which is a fraction above. Oh, it was like nine. Yeah, it was. It was. Well, it was certainly a significantly higher part of the cap. I don't I don't remember it exactly. So it's like I don't think that won't be picked up because this team is going to need minimum or near minimum players in, in a year from now. The question, and I think it's a fair question now, is for that fourth year whether or not it goes up to 4.5, whether or not he, and, and he'll have a year of whether or not he can earn that to be, again, in a team that is financially strapped, um, earning earning that sort of thing. But I don't think I would be surprised if if that option this Thanksgiving for the 24-25 season, or not Thanksgiving, Halloween for this the 24-25 season isn't, uh, isn't picked up. And, you know, hopefully, whether it be, um, in preseason or in even in garbage time or an injured time, you know, there is a Wendell Moore Jr. week. And I don't, again, it, it doesn't seem like something to bet on, but there's still some more, there's still some more bandwidth for him to grab um, to, to earn that a little bit. But it's two summer leagues and it hasn't been good. That's the reality. Yeah, I, I, I think that you put the most optimistic take you could on it. And uh... I just don't want to be the guy who, is condemning somebody completely for summer league, particularly with the oh no no no, particularly with the my opinion that I don't think that is a good context for him. You know what I'm but saying? We did see him. I mean, he was on the roster. Yeah, he was he was up as much as he was down last year, and he never cracked it really. Yeah, no, and so um, I'm just trying to be square with the listener, mm -hmm. and I, I I would you know and and take it for what it's worth. I said not. Reed was on his way out um, a year ago at this time. There was no place for him on the roster, and it wouldn't surprise me if he if he didn't make it through camp. So there you go. You know, uh, I'm wrong uh, on guys that I'm harsh about as often as I'm right. But you can only say what's on your mind and what you see and what you feel. And um, I just um. Put it this way, you know, there were three guys that we were watching that we, we saw, and the guy picked 26th in his second season clearly is a distant third to the guy who was picked 33rd in his first season mm -hmm. and the guy who was picked 45th, I think it was, or 48th or whatever in his second season. Mm -hmm. um, the trajectory on Wendell Moore Jr. is, is a yeah. flat line, which sometimes means death. Quickly, uh, any interest in the fourth player who was kind of on the radar, Brandon, Brandon Williams? Miller? Brandon Brandon Williams as a yeah Brandon uh, Williams as yeah. a third point guard two way guy, that third and final two way yeah. slot. Well, I mean, 
Once I realized he was the guy for Portland a couple of years ago yeah. who blew us away. 27 points. And and looked every every bit of it. Yeah, I mean, man. he was really good. Mm -hmm. And I got the impression, to be honest with you, he, he could have gotten 40 every game, but he knows right. that's not what he's there for. Mm -hmm. I mean, the guy is a bucket. And uh, if if you want a comp, I mean, to some extent, he's Jalen Moore, Jalen Noel's role. Sure. Um, and I think that I think he fits a need on this team. Uh, well, if there's uh, any need on this team, man, it's a third point guard, right? And if the, and there's two roster spots open. There's the 15th roster spot and there's a two-way roster spot. One of those got to be probably filled up by a point guard. And and Brandon, how old Will, is he? I think he's like twenty six. He's pretty okay. old. Okay. Um, don't quote me on that or look that up if you're no. if you're listening. Um, but I, I it it makes he's really small in person, and mm -hmm. to that end, it's like it's like one of those guys who you're like, okay, that's never going to be a rot like a rotation player on a you know, a, a playoff team, right? It just, it looks like that. But as I've thought more about two ways over the course of time, I think Luca Garza is a, a really good example of this, or even Jordan McLaughlin back in the day, right? It's, uh -huh. you're not with those two-way guys, you're either looking for a total development project or two, you are looking for somebody who in a pinch, when your roster gets decimated by an illness or an injury or whatever, that they can come in for that week, play three games, and give you serviceable minutes. And I think right. J-Mac showed that like three, four years ago, whatever, um, that he could be that. I think Lucas has has shown that. And with Brandon Williams, like, if you're sitting there watching, you're like, man, he's he's small. I don't think he'd ever be able to be a real NBA NBA rotation player. I would My counter would be, that's not what you're offering him with the third two-way slot. You are offering a break glass in case of emergency type of point guard that reasonably that if there's going to be an emergency on this team, that's probably the most likely position it would happen at given that Mike Conley's 36 years old. Jordan McLaughlin is a point guard, but maybe not a rotation caliber point guard. Like, you know, um, I, I, I just said that with Kyle. I was like, I'm, I'm a, that would, I wouldn't be like, Oh my God, why did they give Brandon Williams the, the third two way slot if they did or just overall contextual. I was like, yeah, that whether it's Brandon Williams or not, that, archetype of player I'm totally cool with being uh, the third two-way. And I will tell you, again, I go back to, I know that it may have been the best game of his career that we saw live, mm -hmm. but he had, he started 26 games mm -hmm. for Portland. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was the capital uh, T tanking Portland Trailblazers, but like, it was in the NBA. If we're giving Leonard Miller credit for like, doing stuff against pro guys in the G league ignite, right. which I think is fair to do. Like yeah. we could throw, we could throw a flower at Brandon Williams. And also I'm not totally convinced that he's relegated to a two way slot. Wow. There may be a team that wants to put him on as a 15th guy. Mm, sure. Because he can get a bucket and I mean, what is funny to me, and this is another conversation. I know today we're going pretty much G League, but the <laughs> Wolves, the Wolves, I mean, not G, you know, Summer League, whatever. Right. The Wolves need three point shooting. Mm 
It is it is a concern. Sure. Uh, they've got guys, you know, Jalen and Cat, you know, even Kyle Anderson last year. They've got guys who have done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're talking about a guy who is going to get you baskets from deep mm-hmm. and gets heat up, and the next thing you know, he's put in four in five minutes, you know, Bertans or whatever, you know. Right. Um, Brandon Miller might Williams, be that Williams. fifth. fifth uh, Brandon Miller was the second overall pick. Very different. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. At least he isn't somebody's father. Yeah. Um, but um, I think that he is going to be a guy that could do that for a team. And, you know, whether it's for you know, Dallas or, sure. you know, Detroit or, you know, the Celtics or whoever, uh, a guy on the end of that bench when injuries, you know, flood the market, I, which is all to say, if the Wolves give him a two-way, I will say that's a smart move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we're, we're on we're on the same page there. I just wanted to uh, run that by you. Um, okay, I think we hit on uh, all the summer league guys. I have uh, the other thing just kind of still looming uh, with the Wolves is no extension for Jaden McDaniels. Let's grab one final break uh, and get into that uh, briefly with Britt back in a minute. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I went to a concert last week, and the whole process of knowing where to go to get the tickets, it was stressful because the last time I went to a concert, it was a mess trying to get the tickets from the third-party website onto my phone. But with the Game Time app, I felt confident even last minute that I purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. And then with the app, it was easy to just use my phone and get into the concert I paid for, no confusion. So if you're looking for tickets to a Lynx game, a Twins game, or a concert this summer, check out the Game Time app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set, and tickets are sent directly to your phone. So no need to dig through your emails and click on a link here or there and just snag tickets without stress with the game time app, download the game time app, create an account and use code Dane more for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again, create an account and use the code Dane more all one word for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, back with Britt Robson for a final segment. Britt, um, a lot of the conversation uh, around Summer League was obviously around uh, Damian Lillard, which is not a Wolves-specific um, topic. But the the subtext, I think, of the, the Dame trade thing is, from the Portland side, is wanting to get back in I- the ideal young player back in a trade and obviously as the Miami rumors and that goes the 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 point of conflict yeah, is they don't have anybody, right? is Tyler Hero that is Tyler Hero that ideal right. young not, player right. to to come back with and i think that as you said he's not that's the abiding kind of logic through through conversations and and i was like hearing that and then you know asking like okay like who is that like what what is that and they're like, oh, well, Mikael Bridges, for sure. Like, that's that's what you would want. And that, if Tyler Hero feels too low, um, Mikael Bridges feels too high in, in that context of that. And I'm like, okay, so who's in between? And I don't mean this as a uh, the Wolves trading Jaden McDaniels for Damian Lillard context, but more of just ranking of Jaden in, in the, the context of young players in the NBA, I feel like Jaden would be right in that kind of perfect range where it's like for a couple reasons, a, a little bit ahead of Tyler Hero. One being he's still only he's making $3.9 million next year. He's still on that rookie scale contract. He hasn't got that extension yet. Um, he's also maybe fits a little bit more as a role player. You know, he doesn't need to be like the guy. And I was like, man, Jaden kind of feels like the perfect player in that. And and what that really is, and saying, that's the franchise closest to his hometown, too. Yeah, but again, I'm not doing the I'm not doing the Jaden for Dame thing. <laughs> that that isn't what it is. I'm I'm just trying to talk about right. the 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 quality of which Jaden is and how he is recognized in the league, which is really a conversation about how much he should earn on on this next extension. And it's interesting if Bridges is like the dude, right, like the the great one that of these young players, it's interesting that he's only making 17% of the salary cap. And then there's the Tyler Hero and Jordan Pools, who, when they signed their extension, they signed for 20% of the salary cap. And and, and that's part of the reason why Bridges is so great. It's like 20 mil, a little over 20 million a year in perpetuity, like awesome. Uh, it's a little bit more expensive for Hero and Pool, and they're not the same caliber of player. So you go right. like, all right, well, where does Jaden fit in that? And it's what, again, I've been saying this for a long time. I'm like, I think Jaden gets more like the hero pool type number of 20% yes, of the 30? cap, which is like, yeah. So, so for this year, like pool and hero are starting at like 27, 28 million. And then in a year that, that that's what 20% of the cap is, is 27, 28 million. And that's what pool and hero are making. So for Jaden to get that in a year, yeah, that's. 29.9. That's that's 30 million 
starting salary. And I feel like I'm keep boosting this number up, but I'm continuing to think about it in the context of the league. And now I think if the 17%, the Mikael Bridges offer was out, was out there and Jaden side was willing to accept it. We'd have that signed by now. We don't absolutely, which right. leads me to believe it is more like that high twenties, maybe 30 million starting value uh, for, for Jaden McDaniels going forward. That's just, I mean, and obviously I'm higher yeah. maybe on Jaden than I'm not, not a, than you are, but of the broader NBA might be. But I think when, when we're talking about this kind of dragging out, it's because I think Jaden's value is higher than we might want to admit it is. We need to put it, apply it to the percentage of the salary cap stuff. Um, and the fact that Jaden doesn't have to sign it right now. They could go the Aiton mm-hmm. route with it. Same agent. Um, Jaden has the same agent as DeAndre Ayton did. Like, take it into restricted free agency. Max that out as much as you can. It just is striking me as the perfect kind of economic setup to take it into restricted free agency, or at least to take it through this sort of season, which I don't think is like if Jaden doesn't sign a contract extension this summer, I don't think that's a red flag necessarily. It's just a signal that he is just below a fringe level max player. Well, I think what what it would say is that there is logic on both sides yeah. to, to go forward. Mm-hmm. Prove yourself here. The question is, does that lingering contract, which, let's face it, was a toxic thing for the Phoenix Suns franchise? Yeah. I mean, that that Aiden holdup destroyed the relationship between Monty Williams and DeAndre Aiden and affected Aiden's game. Very obvious. I'm just going to jump in right now and say, though, very different personalities between DeAndre Ayton and Jay McDaniels. But I agree with what you're talking about. He was a shell of himself Mm -hmm. in that playoff series. And a lot of that had to do he's surrounded by very different people, et cetera. But, um, and you're right. And and more to the point, Jade was taken 28th, I think it was. Yeah. And Aiden was the top pick. Right. So, uh, I mean, to, 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 to basically take the top pick to restricted free agency was a a, a backhanded mm-hmm. insult that wouldn't be the, perceived right. the same way for Jay McDaniels. But to your point, to your greater point, um, I see logic behind the wolves waiting, and I see logic behind Jade McDaniels waiting. And as right. long as as long as both sides had a, this kind of like mutual agreement. Hey, whatever you get in restricted free agency, yeah. we're going to match it. So don't worry, you know. Um, and if it's going to be thirty-four million dollars or whatever, we're going to match it yep. because you're you mean that much to us. Um, if Jade knows that going forward, then fine. And the the issue again becomes, well, what happens if you know Jaden is like. Again, the fourth option at best sure. on the team, and he's put even more of his bag into offense as he did. Let's say he takes another step forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't want to boost Kyle Anderson off. You don't want to, uh, you know, take people off the court so that Jaden McDaniel's can get more usage because you're trying to win games. You know, yeah. um, I, the scenario you present 
is logical and having you said it, I think that I, I just don't want it to sound out alarms within I the will fan not base. That's what I'm surprised saying. if it happens. I don't think it's a red flag, but I think it is a cloud sure. on the horizon. Fair. And, you know, it could rain. It could be thunder and lightning, or it could just be a cloud. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't think it is. Um, I don't think it's an ideal situation for Wolves fans mm-hmm. who would like to have it settled. Um, and frankly, for somebody like Finch, who right. wants it, you know, I mean, stability, stability, stability. That's you know what they're talking. That's the mantra. You know, so there has to be some kind of, you know, maybe like on October 30th, Jaden gets 25. Yeah. Or some sort of like, I don't even want to say wink, wink, but like wink, wink, you know? And, and, and what would lead me, I mean, how we know that Tim Connolly in the front office is in contact with Jaden's representation is because they just signed a max contract extension with Jaden's representation, who is Anthony Edwards. Until then, he's Britt. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.